So with the world going through a global pandemic and every coach out there is facing unprecedented levels of uncertainty, I'm not sure if it's ever been this important to have a strong team culture. It's kind of this great paradox in coaching. Like the less time we have, the more important it is that we put first things first. Here we have less practice time, shorter seasons, less games, more adversity. And it's very easy for us as coaches with those type of conditions uh, to really try to focus on the technical and tactical aspects of the game. We got to install offense or develop certain skills, but we've got to fight that temptation, right? We got to keep culture first uh, if we can be the coaches and to create the environment our players need now more than ever. Today, we welcome Karen Avery to the podcast who has been the head women's volleyball coach at Valpo for the last 19 years. It's been an incredible run of success for her team over her tenure there. But what is most important to her is her team culture. She's going to share with us just some of the ways that she has built her culture as well as her inspiring approach to coaching during the pandemic. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast brought to you by Thrive on Challenge. I'm JP Nurbin, joined by my friend and co-host Nate Sanderson. Each week in about 30 minutes, we discuss important principles and strategies of transformational leadership. At Thrive on Challenge, we help coaches to raise the standards and strengthen the relationships in their program because we know this type of culture produces better leaders, better people, and better results. To learn more about how we can help you, go to thriveonchallenge.com, where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and get the coaching notes to every episode of this podcast. All right, Karen, it's great to have you on the Coaching Culture Podcast today. Uh, One of the things I want to start off first asking you is just when it comes to culture, I mean, you, you shared before we started actually recording that you've kind of connected with our, our podcast. You've enjoyed what the things that we've shared there. So I'm, I'm just curious when it comes to your culture, what you think you guys do that's so exceptional and maybe how that, you know, you've connected that to the work that we've been kind of doing through this podcast. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, like you mentioned before, I have thoroughly enjoyed every one of your podcasts. I've listened to many of them um, during these COVID times, and um, I've learned so much from you guys and who you had on. So thank you so much for your work during this time. Um, culture, thankfully, has always been very, very important to me. Um, I have been at Valpo for 19 years and, you know, I, I, t- I, when recruits come in and, and I talk to them, I always tell them I'm not going to be the best X's and O's coach you've ever had, but I do feel like we do a very good job creating a culture that you are going to want to be a part of. And, you know, it, it takes time. And, and like I said, I've been here 19 years now, so now this is pretty easy for me. Um, I did learn some valuable lessons over the years, though. You know, sometimes I think being somewhere for a long time, you take your culture for granted and you think, oh, it's always been, you know, it's always gone so well. Um, I'm sure it still is. And, you know, last year we had some some hitches um, in our culture. Um, but again, we have we learned from them. And then I learned from them that, you know, it's something you really have to um, you know, do day after day and, you know, really stick with it. Um, you know, our culture, we have what's called the starting six. And, you know, there's six people on the volleyball court. And so we have six standards, I guess, that we kind of or philosophies that we want to live by. And there's there's not one of them that has to do with volleyball. 
Um, you know, and, and just for an example, the very first one is we are a family first and foremost above everything else. So, and we talk about these when in the recruiting process, we talk about these, you know, important standards that we have. And we say, you know, if this isn't something you want to be a part of, then you shouldn't come to Valpo. So, um, and, and again, we go over them in preseason. We try to go over them during the year to make sure we're holding them. Um, you know, some of them are just, you know, not being an energy sucker, being an energy giver, mm -hmm. um, you know, being relentless in the pursuit of everything you do. So um, we have some key words and we try to stick with them. And honestly, I, I, I really truly believe that's why we have been so successful at Valparaiso because of the culture that, and the standards that we hold up here. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really clear vision for the type of culture, but you just mentioned there a second ago that there's been moments where you kind of feel like, oh, it's established and you kind of walk away. You know, I think we all fall guilty of that. So when you are investing in your culture, when you're actually putting the time in day in and day out, for you, what does that look like? What are some of the key things, like the top two, three things that you guys do to develop that culture and invest in it? Well, you know, I think um, the first thing I do, it's a very senior run program and it always has been. Um, I always tell them that I don't want to be a dictator. I want to be a leader. Um, and I also think it's very important for the girls and the seniors to know, you know, it's their last year here and they're getting ready, ready to graduate and going out to the world. Um, I think it's important that they learn, you know, leadership qualities and all of them, not just one or two captains, but all of them learn how to be leaders in their own certain way. And, you know, I always say when you um, own something, you take more care of it. Right. So um, I always say it's your team to the seniors. And, you know, when they know it's theirs, they're going to take care of it. So we kind of start there with the seniors and, and, and make sure that they understand, you know, what we need to do going forward. They have meetings on their own. I don't want to be a part of them because, again, I kind of want to take a little step back. So the player, the incoming players know, hey, this is a this is a, a team run program and, and it's about us. And Karen's there to help us and to lead us. But at the same time, you know, we're on the court together. We're the ones that are around each other all the time in the locker room, on the court. And Karen's just there to help us. So I think that's one of the, the things that we've done a really good job of. And I think the girls appreciate it, too, when they go out into the world. You know, they, they've really um, had to lead, you know. And like I said, it's just not one or, one or two people. So I think that's one of the most important things. Also, just I think the connection that you can make with them. I don't try to overconnect and try, like I said, to get too into their business because I, I think that can be bad also. But I think I do enough that they know that I truly love them and I will do anything for them. Um, so whether it's, you know, a lot of texts or phone calls, obviously our team meetings, our individual meetings, but I don't try to go too, too far with them. So they think I'm in their business all the time. You know, I am like a second mom to them, but I know they have a mom that's in their business also. So it's a fine line you have to create. And I think what happened last year, you know, we had 19 kids on the roster. It was the largest roster I've ever had. And I didn't feel like I had time, you know, and, and then again, I always said, this is a culture first program. And what I did was I put the volleyball first and I thought we have to spend more time on the court and we have to spend more time doing this. And then I realized that the culture wasn't good, which led to losing games because I was focusing just on the volleyball. So that was a really important lesson I learned last year. Well, I love how you're just kind of talking about the connections and so much of that's just making time and connecting with them. You know, it's not rocket science in that aspect. The thing you were saying about the seniors, I think it's very interesting that you really just 
you know, seniors are kind of the captains or kind of the appointed leadership group. And I think it's, you know, really powerful to kind of honor them in that way. I think where I've struggled and I know other coaches struggle is getting seniors. You talked about they have this senior only or captain only meeting and you're not part of that to take the initiative to run those type of meetings. Like we want players to, to initiate that. So what have you done to kind of give them that nudge or to facilitate so that they're actually running those throughout the season? Yeah, well, um, obviously that's, that's one of the things we had struggled with. And so we have brought um, actually my husband in, um, you know, Mike Avery, um, who was the soccer coach here at Valparaiso. He coached at Notre Dame Louisville, and he's now doing some communication things. Um, and we've brought him in in order and talked about communication and how to communicate with people. Um, of different personalities, um, how it's, you know, um, you know, for the ones who don't like to speak up, give them tools. So they're, they're enabling themselves to speak up. Um, Having some of the girls who have powerful, powerful um, personalities, how to take a step back. Um, And and we've kind of always done that a little bit. But in this last year, I think that's one of the, the things that we've noticed a big change in our group is that all of a sudden everybody's speaking up, everybody feels comfortable. There's just a bigger level of trust um, since we've done and dove into a lot of communication issues that we've had. Um, and obviously trust is the number one thing in any program. If, if that is broken, it doesn't matter how great you are, how great your athletes are, how great the volleyball is. If there's not a great level of trust between coaches, players, players, and players, um, you're not going to be successful. So um, we've always put trust as one of our number one things in our starting six. Trust is, is you know, one of our top three. Um, and so we talk about that um, with our, when they're juniors, we talk about that before they become seniors in, in a lot of indi- individual meetings. And a lot of times that trust is revealed when crucial conversations are necessary. And I wonder, you know, obviously you have to make difficult lineup decisions just like everybody else in the country when it comes to playing time and starting positions and roles and things like that. How do you try to approach some of those conversations that can sometimes provoke conflict or misunderstanding to try to use them as a way to continue to build that trust? Well, that's fine. We do talk about roles and accepting roles. That's something we have talked about here that we talk about every year because it is hard. You, you're a division one program. You've had all these athletes are all conference performers, all state performers, and now they're coming and half of them aren't playing, you know? And so, but again, it's, if you can build the relationships and you put this, you know, we're a family first and foremost above everything else. When you're a part of a family, and if you can really build that culture of family and everybody truly loves each other, they play for each other. And they're excited for one another when good things happen. Um, And I will tell you, and my girls will tell you, I do not beat around the bush either. When they come in here and they're not playing, I explain exactly why they're not playing. Um, and I do it in a nice way. Um, I'm very, again, intentional about how I'm talking to them, but they know, and I think they appreciate it, um, why they, um, when I tell them exactly, these are the things you need to do to find the court. And they also talk about telling, you know, as coaches, this is what always, um, I find super interesting when parents get mad at coaches for their sons or daughters not playing. If they, you know, stood in our shoes for one day, and, and would see that, you know, do you really think that this is easy for us 
you know, to have 12 people on the team and to only play six when they come in day after day and they're giving great effort and they're, they're showing up on time and they're showing up and playing hard um, and they're a part of something. Um, but yet you're not seeing it on the court. Um, you know, that's hard for us coaches. But again, like we are we are here and part of our job is to win games. It's not kumbaya. Let's play everybody at this level. So. Um, I just find that very interesting that parents can get mad at coaches for us not playing their kids when it is very, very hard for us every day to, to make that decision. And I always tell the girls, if you think, um, even in the recruiting process, I will ask them, will our relationship be based on if you play or not play? Mm. You know, because again, right? Like I love every single one of you, but the fact is every single one of you is not going to play. You know, and it might take years, you might not ever play, but I promise you that I will invest just as much into you as I do the starting six. And I think that's where we have done a really good job is that I think every girl, and again, I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I think overall, we've done a really good job making everybody feel important, making everybody feel like we're a family and that this is a you know, it's great to just be on this team and to live this journey with all of us. One of the uh, things that I came across when we were doing a little bit of background here, and you've already referenced this a little bit in your recruiting strategies. Uh, JP and I were joking a little bit before we got on here about we hear this phrase from college coaches all the time that we don't compromise on recruits. You know, we have our standards and we have our expectations and we do our homework and we're not going to compromise. And yet, We've never really found anybody that can really explain what does that mean? You know, when, when the rubber hits the road, like, is that just something that is sort of coach speak or do they really cross kids off the list because of, you know, because of their character? How do you approach that when, when you think about the standards in recruiting for your program? That is so funny because, again, in the recruiting process, when the girls are sitting here, you know, and they're, they're you know, um, recruits that we are looking at. Um, we talk about that all the time and we do not compromise and it, it's not coached. Well, it might be coach talk for some people, but it truly is not for me because over the years I have seen what one bad apple can do to the whole bunch, you know, and, and it's true. I don't know why that is. I don't know. It's like one negative person, one person that's not on the same moral compass as everybody else, it throws everybody else's compass off. And it, it's truly, truly amazing. Um, but I've seen it, I've lived it. And um, it's something, honestly, we do not, we will not take somebody that's, you know, I guess the beauty of recruiting and volleyball is you go to these big convention centers with hundreds of people, hundreds of players, hundreds of parents, and you are standing right there with the parents and you can see every little thing. I mean, the girls are six feet away from you. You can read their lips. You can see their eyes. You can see what they do at timeouts. You can see how they treat their parents. And we have literally crossed people off the list that I've gone and watched. And I saw one girl talk to her mom um, and it, it amazed me how she talked to her mom. And I looked and made sure she wasn't on our list. She wasn't, but I made sure we crossed her off. I had, I went to a high school game and saw a girl roll her eyes 500 times at her players for not digging a ball or missing a ball. Um, I've crossed players off the list who um, I don't like the way they interact with their, 
with their coach on the sidelines. So we can see so many little things. And again, for me in the mid-major level, I can find that kid. Um, There's probably 500 kids I could find that are just like the kid I crossed off. But yet, if they give me, if it's they're a better character kid, they're going to be better for our family. Um, and they're going to be better for our starting six, we are going to take them. There are so many fish out in the sea. I am not going to deal with one of those fish. <laughs> so it, it, it truly is something that we really look at. Also, you have to call high school coaches. You have to call the club coaches. The problem is sometimes club coaches, they want to sell their kid. And I don't think sometimes they tell you the absolute truth. Um, so you have to find people that you trust also that are going to tell you the truth. But honestly, you can go to watch a kid play two times. And I promise, and I don't, I don't know if it's because I've done this for so long, but I can tell you in two times watching a kid if I like her character or not. I want to ask you about one other thing here, and this is a, sort of a bit of a tangent. Um, but I came across an article and a story about your 2016 team. And I'm a sucker for innovation when coaches start to do things differently than everybody else or they think differently than everybody else. And I know sometimes that circumstances can be the mother of innovation, but you made an interesting strategic change that year that was brought about by some injuries and that sort of thing. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit, maybe give our listeners that aren't familiar with volleyball a little bit of context and maybe explain kind of the strategy decision that you made in the last half of that season. Yeah. I feel like I've always been very unconventional in maybe my recruiting and who I I bring here Um, in terms of, you know, I've always gotten a smaller, feistier player over a taller player that, you know, that may be better or people think have more um, potential or their ceilings higher because of their height. Um, Again, I look at a lot of different things in recruiting. Um, And so thankfully, I've always coached a little different. And so what happened was I, you know, everybody has those seasons and it was just unbelievable. In preseason, we had a broken ankle. Um, we had a torn labrum happen in preseason. Um, we had another twisted ankle. Um, and then all of a sudden our setter had a calf injury and then our other setter um, broke her shoulder. So we just had, I mean, it was week after week we just went down and not, you know, not a twisted ankle that you're going to be out for two or three days. These were like major injuries, season ending injuries for a lot of these girls. And, you know, we, we, um, halfway through the season, when we lost our final player, I just said to my staff, I said, we have to do something different or this isn't going to work. Um, and it's funny because I called some other coaches and said, what would you do? This is what, you know, and, and I got a lot of different advice, but At the end, I thought, you know, I know my program more than anybody, and these are our strengths, and this is how we're going to play. So, you know, if you're not familiar with volleyball, um, you know, your setter um, runs the whole offense. They're the quarterback. They're the point guard. And we lost both our setters. So now we have nobody to deliver the ball to our hitters. Um, So what we did is we took our back row um, players, um, our libero, which is a, a back row only player. Um, in particular, and we just passed and dug and set the ball right in the middle of the court, and then they set the ball to everybody else. So um, I don't. I think I probably was the first person to do it, maybe ever in Division One volleyball. Um, but the weird thing is, is that again, because we had such a great team and they trusted me, um, they bought into the system, and we made it fun. 
you know, we said we are going to be the first team to do this and we're going to do it better than anybody's ever seen and we're going to win games. And then sure enough, and this happened. So we had three days to prepare for our, our next game without a setter. We only had three days. And, um, you know, I, we had three really great days of practice. The girls were bought in. We went to our very first game and we beat them in three sets. And it was our rival who had pretty much always beaten us. Um, and it was amazing. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the whole country found out what we were going to do or what we did and, and that we won. And I, you know, we went to the conference tournament playing out of system. They only took the top six teams and we made it. We came in at number six. Um, so it truly was an amazing experience. And, you know, during COVID right now, it is kind of funny that, you know, um, coaches are trying and, and conferences are trying to label, you know, if you if you don't have middle hitters, you shouldn't be able to play. If you don't have setters, you shouldn't be able to play. And, you know, I, I just find that so interesting because isn't coaching, I mean, it's so easy to coach when things are going well. I think that, you know, the true mark of great programs and great coaches are to in, be innovative and to figure out ways to win even when things aren't going well. And so it just shocks me, I guess, that that some of these leagues are putting in these um, these rules um, because it's so fun to be different. It's so fun to think out of the box. And I think these teams and these programs are really missing out on some good things. And, you know, again, if their players are truly brought in, you know, they're going to do it and they're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And, and honestly, that was my first losing season I had ever had as a coach, but I will tell you, it was the most fun I've ever had. It's the hardest I've ever worked. Um, and it, but it truly was a fantastic year. It was one of the more challenging and the most fun times I've ever had coaching to, to play out of the box. But like I said, we've always done things very different here. So I feel like our program at Valpo out of probably a lot of the programs in the country are very COVID ready for any opportunities and any, or any struggles, I guess, that, that come up, we're ready. Another thing I love about your story there though, is just your ability as a coach to take something that I think a lot of coaches might just throw in the towel and be like, well, that season's done for, you know, let's just grind this one out and try something different. And it's, and, and that's kind of connects to what I, my next question I want to ask you is, that and one of the reasons I, I I was initially got the idea to bring in the podcast was your husband Mike Avery talked about how you've you've done a phenomenal job of of handling the uncertainty that's come come with COVID. So, you know, how have you approached this new adversity that everyone's facing out there? What are just from a personal leadership standpoint? You know, let's just start there. How have you approached? COVID and the uncertainty that's come with it, you know, what's, what's been your kind of philosophy and some of the things that you've done? Well, you know what, I, I don't, you know, I guess I've always been, um, even though my girls will say, you know, as a coach, I am very competitive and I'm very enthusiastic and I'm very hard. Um, at the same time, I don't let the little things bother me. Um, and you know what, we're in a pandemic. That's what I tell the girls. There's going to be times when, you know, things happen that are out of our control, but you know what, we're going to deal with them. And, and again, we're going to have fun with it. Um, and we, I, I've always tried to do that. We've, you know, our bus broke down and we rolled into a game with 20 minutes to go. And I said, you know what, you guys, this is going to be fun. Like who needs to warm up? Right. And I think that's how you have to approach this pandemic. It's like, things are going to happen. We, you know, and we use the story of us playing out a system of us playing beach volleyball all the time of us having a setter play middle. It's like, I, we truly try to 
have the girls buy in that whatever happens, it's going to be fun and we're going to do it, darn it. And we're going to try our best and you guys are going to love it. And so I think we're just very optimistic all the time. Um, you know, and if somebody, you know, has to sit out for COVID or whatever, you know, that, that we're going to, you know, help them through it, but we're going to push on and, and push forward. And I really just think it's your mentality. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked to other coaches and I've seen other coaches and it just, I just don't understand, you know, why they get so wrapped up in, in what are we going to do? And what if this happens? And what if, what if, what if it's like, you know, it, it's like move forward and I guess I've just always kind of been like that. So um, we talk to the girls all the time. Any challenge that comes our way, we're going to face it and it's going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) I think so much of what coaches are looking for is they're looking for that secret little Zoom meeting, the special activity. But just talking to you, I think for me, it's like it's your enthusiasm. It's your own positivity that you're bringing that has to be like, the most critical element, I think, for your team as they approach it. You know, if you're not actually living that, what you're saying, if you're not, I mean, you're you're very bubbly, you got so much energy and so much passion and enthusiasm, I could see how that would translate to the team. It's been a tough year for everyone. I think it's been, um, you know, personally. So what are some things you do within yourself to just to kind of maintain that positive energy through the uncertainty? Because I think a lot of coaches are kind of run down. I mean, if do you have some just personal habits? Is there different things that you do in your life or are you just naturally just awesomely full of energy? <laughs> I, I honestly have always been very full of energy and, you know, I just love the game so much. I love coaching. I love the game of volleyball. And and for me, like, you know, it, this is just one little part of our lives. Right. And that's why I try to tell the girls, like, you know, it, it's just volleyball right? Like we'll figure it out. Um, and, and so I think I've, I've always just been like that. Um, but I will say, um, you know, what keeps me going, I think over COVID especially was just what I did. Um, personally, I actually had time to listen to podcasts and to go on to webinars. And you know what? I don't think I listened to a handful that were anything related to volleyball. Um, you know, I, I, I've been coaching 19 years. I do stuff unconventionally. You know, I think it's great to learn some new things, but I am who I am. But I think what has made me grow, grow as a coach is the things that I've done, like these different podcasts and learning what other people are doing with their culture, learning about mental health. Um, that's such a big thing right now. And I'm not a, you know, I, I'm not certified, but yet we have to deal with these things. Um, and so I feel like I've become better at understanding where people are with their mental health struggles. And I think that's something, you know, we don't have anything here at Valparaiso University. Um, we are so I have one assistant coach. Um, we have no sports psychologists. We have no nutritionists. Like we have nothing here. So I am, you know, along with my assistant, like we are everything to these girls. And so what I tried to do over COVID is, is try to, like I said, just try to learn some new different things, non-related. Um, Pete Carroll has been amazing. I've listened to him and Mike Gervais. Um, and I, I just feel like I've picked up a lot of different things that are totally not volleyball related that I think is helping the girls during this time. So what are you doing differently now with your team than you were a year ago at this time? You know, as far as just some of the things you picked up, what have been some things that you've done uh, that have you found be most effective? I think 
again, it's just being more intentional about our starting six, um, which I didn't do last year. Um, we've tried, we've done way more talking um, at practices and had way more meetings and brought people in to talk to my team way more than I've ever done. Um, and that has been amazing. I, I think, you know, again, with only two of us on staff here, I think they get really tired of listening to us all the time. And so bringing some different people in and giving different perspectives has been amazing for the girls. Um, and like I said, you know, bringing my husband in um, to do some workshops with them on communication and trust and and all, you know, and how to talk and how to do, you know, mentoring programs. It's just been amazing for my team. And I think that's where we're going to see the most growth over the next few years is that, you know, we, we've done different things outside of volleyball to make us better at volleyball. Karen, before we get you out of here, we wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, your home life. Um, and you have a unique uh, relationship in that you've been a Division One head coach here for a long time, and you've married a Division One head coach, or Mike Avery, who's been on the podcast here in the past. And every once in a while, you know, when we have an interesting dynamic like that, it, it's good to hear how you guys have approached the busyness of the schedule and recruiting and all the responsibilities that come with each of your roles. You've got a couple kids at home as well. How have you guys tried to navigate that just in terms of protecting and nurturing your own family life in addition to all the other things that you guys have going on? Yeah, you know, the greatest thing that we've ever done, Mike and I, you know, raising a kid, raising kids around these college kids has been an amazing experience for our children. Um, you know, they've gotten to see kids from different cultures, from different races, from different um, backgrounds um, all come together. Um, they have been so wonderful with our kids. They've taken them in, you know, bless their hearts, especially when they were young, you know, they're, they're at practices. I am a firm believer in having your children around your team. Um, I, I don't believe in those distractions. Um, I think it's wonderful for them to see. I think that's the most important thing. I think for Mike and I, that they see that our kids, our college kids see that you can be very successful at what you do and you can raise a family and you can be a great wife. You can be a great husband and you can have all these things. And I think especially for me um, with these young women, um, you know, that they can see like you can be a powerful young person and, and be a leader in whatever you want to do. And you can be a wife and you can have kids. Now, has our journey been easy? I would be lying if I said it was easy. Um, you know, thankfully, I am from this area. Um, and my mother and my sister and my family has been wonderful in helping us when we need to. Also, the town of Valparaiso is amazing. Um, they're always there to help if, if we're out of town or if our kids need rides, they don't even hesitate to help us. So when they do say you need a village to raise a family, we needed a village to help raise our family. Um, but I will say our kids, um, you know, they have gone with so many people. Um, they've been around so many people. Um, their personalities have come out and they, you know, they're, they're, they just can adapt to anything, I guess, having us for parents. And I, I think the experiences that we were able to give them in terms of travel and like I said, just being around all these different, uh, you know, individuals um, has really made them, you know, I, I think they're I think they're unique in a lot of different ways, our kids. That's it for our conversation with Karen Avery. My biggest takeaway was her positive attitude and outlook every day during this pandemic. 
our players, I think they need consistency. They need something dependable during all this uncertainty. And really, the only thing that we can control or provide for them in, in that regards is the attitude with which we approach things. So let's take a page from Karen's book and try to stay more positive and bring uh, energy every day. She also mentioned her husband, Mike Avery, uh, who is doing virtual workshops on diversity, communication, and the Equilibria Self and Team Awareness Workshop for teams. I highly recommend Mike. Uh, we've had him on the podcast before, and I've been fortunate enough to become good friends with him this last year. His organization is called Center Circle Influencers, and you can check him out at centercircln.com.